Well, that was the opening music to The Wizard of Oz. One of my favorite all-time movies, for sure. And it's fun to be doing this on the podcast. I, I, I think we've kind of shied away a bit from some of these really famous films. Um, but I think this one is perfect to fit in with our series of movies on uh, musicals, our series of musicals that we're doing. Um, and we have a little bit of an update on the schedule. Uh, we did Yankee Doodle Dandy, and then An American in Paris, and now we're doing Wizard of Oz, and the last one's going to be Cover Girl. And I think we were, had originally talked about doing uh, In the Good Old Summertime, but for a variety of reasons, we switched that out with uh, Wizard of Oz. Um, it's hard to find, and we are trying not to buy movies for every review that we do, because that gets expensive, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh, if you can find them more readily, it's easier for everybody that listens that may not have watched one before. So yeah. unfortunately, we won't be seeing cuddles or talking no about cuddles. cuddles. Well, cuddles will make an appearance again for sure. <laughs> yeah, no cuddles kidding. will be back. He made a lot of films. <laughs> Maybe we should just do a festival of cuddles. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> there's, there's some good ones that he's been in for sure. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to Patreon and search for Classic Movie Reviews. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from rainy, rainy, rainy North Bend today. And this is Bob Johnson in uh, sunny Los Angeles, welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews. And The Wizard of Oz, which, if I counted correctly, I've seen nine times. <laughs> the f I think the first time was with my mom. They did a reissue, like, in 1949, I think it was, and I went with my mom to see it in the in the uh, Judith Theater in Lewistown, probably in 1949 or 1950. I never get tired of watching it. It's just between the uh, the sets and the music and Judy Garland and all those characters and the Munchkins. <laughs> what yeah, could go? <laughs> how could you not like that? Yeah, you were saying that. Um, you. You, it, you, you were saying it had come out in a lot of different formats, and I was just reading that a recent study claimed that this is the most watched movie in film history, largely due to the number of television screenings each year, as well as the various video, DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K releases, which have enabled children of every and all generations to see it. And I know my kids watched it many times growing up. We were talking before we started uh, recording today that each time we see it, we see more in it. There's more to it because this time when I watched it again with Nancy, I could connect a lot. I, I did a lot better job in my head of connecting the beginning of the film and the dream that she has with the characters. It just was so much, so much clearer to me. I'm either a slow learner or I was too engaged <laughs> in, the, in the color in the Technicolor of the uh, main part of the film. Beautiful movie. Yeah, I was realizing this time how much of an impression this movie had left on me, um, just in, in my aesthetic sense of what I, I find to be kind of beautiful. And those scenes, I, I, I have to say, actually, my favorite part of the movie is the first 17 minutes before she arrives in Oz. 
because it's just so incredibly beautifully well done and produced and, and staged and it sets up the, the characters so well. You meet all of the major characters within the first, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes and, and we, get a, we get a sense of, of, of them as characters you know, right away. And also, it's done in uh, a uh, a process of a sep sepi tone or septi tone, where where they uh, where they tinted the black and white film, and the uh, second director of it, King Vidor, really did most of the work that he had on the film in the opening seventeen minutes, because he was really expert at how to make those tones work so well and and I agree with you it's just a fascinating entry into that into that dream sequence and wasn't that tornado oh my gosh the tornado wow the tornado is so amazing even today this movie came out in 1939 81 years ago and it looks that tornado looks real to me I was you know it's like it's one of these movies that within the first 30 seconds I'm totally bought in and sucked into this world and I, I still vividly remember the first time that I saw it, and I was thinking, well, I don't know, I, I don't know what I was thinking the first time I saw it, up until the moment when she opened that door. And I do vividly remember the surprise and the shock of it going from black and white to color, and how beautiful and how colorful it really was when she opened that door. I read where um, the, uh, the technical people that were doing the color which is the brightest Technicolor I think you could find in the world. They had a they had an ongoing discussion for several days as to what what shade of yellow should be used for the yellow brick road. They couldn't quite get it where they all agreed on it, and they finally did. Yeah, when that door opens, it's just... I remember as a kid, I was probably nine years old when I went to see this with my mom. First of all, the first 17 minutes, I was frightened by that horrible woman that wanted to take the dog away and then yeah. the tornado and then the where she's looking out the window and things are flying by and there comes that horrible woman on her bike and she turns into, <laughs> into a, a she turns into a witch on a broom yeah oh can you i mean i probably i probably still dream about that good heavens i love that in that scene with the tornado picking up the house that there's also a cow that flies by yes and there and was that, a yeah, that was used to that in Twister. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they borrowed. They borrowed from that when the cow goes flying by. Not once, but more than one time came flying by again. Oh yeah, that that opening. So I'd have to give uh, a plus to both directors. The uh, the main director was Victor Fleming, and he had to change and switch up because he was then also going to direct Gone with the Wind. Holy smokes. I know. <laughs> they both came out in 1939. Wow. Gone with the Wind won uh, the best picture. But that's that's a pretty good resume. I just finished up 85% of uh, Wizard of Oz, and now I'm going to go do Gone with the Wind. I tell you, Victor Fleming. Um, well, and, and there were other scenes in the movie that I loved. I mean, I think I love the whole movie all the way through. There's There's really... Very few parts of the film where I'm I'm not totally engaged, um, but I, I also my second favorite part was the wicked the, the haunted forest where the, the the castle is. Oh, 
Oh yes. Oh, you're talking about the the flying and the flying f- monkeys and yeah. how they have oh. to scale up to the the castle and that was frightening. It was so well done and scary looking. And I, I was thinking as I was watching it that this is a full proper, full on fantasy movie of the caliber of like Lord of the Rings. I mean, for the time, it's oh. it's just incredible what they did. It's it's an amazing film and and um. When the Wicked Witch is looking into that ball and it and it actually shows people's you know like where they are and all, I thought this is a this is a forerunner of today's mobile phone technology. She's, she's, she's <laughs> she was up. facetiming them. <laughs> she's face. She could watch people and she would. Oh, of course. I guess if my skin were green, I'd be kind of angry also. But uh, well, Margaret Hamilton. Oh. Uh, was a really big fan of these books and she was really excited when she learned that she was going to be in the film and she phoned her agent to ask her what role she was up for and her agent simply replied the witch who else (laughs) she was so perfect for that (laughs) so perfect for that she was in every respect everybody was was uh well suited I, i i watched a little clip about the uh the uh, scenes where they were trying out the uh, Tin Man's costume and who was going to portray that in the movie. And Buddy Epson was in the early running to be the Tin Man, and Buddy Epson was a wonderful song and dance man, and many of our listeners will remember him from the uh, CBS, I think it was CBS television series, Barnaby Jones, and then he was also in the Beverly Hillbillies but he was originally thought to be going to get the part of the Tin Man, which uh, later went to another person whose name I just forgot. Yeah, Jack Haley. But it was fun to see Betty Ep- uh, Buddy Epson in that. So, uh, so we've got Judy Garland playing Dorothy, of course. I mean, I, I think all these people are so well known, it's kind of... Still good to go back and, and list them off. But she she was 16 years old at the time, and, and she was supposed to be playing somebody who was much younger, I think probably like 12 or something. And she had to wear a really tight corset to kind of make it look like she wasn't as grown up as she was, and I guess it was pretty painful. Well, and then they the dress that she had, they they designed it in a way that it was very plain-looking, but a kind of went out at the bottom there was more room so it was harder to tell how big she really was but every time every time she sings i just it's so beautiful oh that's that that opening song somewhere over the rainbow when she's kind of wandering through the farmyard oh gosh that's just heartbreaking it's just so well done some place where there isn't any trouble do you suppose there is such a place Toto? There must be. It's not a place you can get to by a boat or a train. It's far, far away. Behind the moon. Beyond the rain. I heard of once in a lullaby. 
wake up where the clouds are far behind me Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops That's where you'll find me I, What, what uh, staying with that for a minute, what works for me on that is that as a young boy, I used to daydream about what it would be like to do something really different than where I was and what I was doing at the time. I had no idea what it would be, but these dreams about the future as a child, I think, are really so well portrayed in the film. And it's got to be a connection to millions of people that have had those same daydreams, what, what it's going to be like in their future. Yeah, especially as children, like that age, maybe that 10, 11, 12, but even into your teens. And, and I, honestly, I would say, I don't know that you ever really stop doing that. You know, you kind of think, well, this is the year that I'm going to, you know, check that list off, that item off my bucket list. You know, I'm going to go yeah. fly in a hot air balloon or I'm going to go travel around the world, you know, and, and a lot of times we don't have the resources or the time or the health to, to the money to, to be able to do that. And I think it, that song and that scene just really captures that kind of feeling of wishing and thinking about what else is out there. Frank Morgan, he had three different parts. No, he had five, five, five? different parts. Professor Marvel, yeah. the, the Wizard of Oz, the Gatekeeper, yeah. the Carriage Driver, oh, yeah, and the you're Guard. Right. You're right. <laughs> He was, he was well utilized in the film. I I, I had a list and I, I missed half of it on my on my list. <laughs> he was so good. <laughs> I loved him in the beginning as Professor Marvel, where he's kind of hoodwinking Dorothy and yes. But he's so kind hearted and he he knows that that this poor girl is you know upset and she really should go home and he's he's kind of nudging her in that direction with his story about Aunt M and how she's sick, you know? And I just thought he was a really sweet character. All, all of the characters that he played, really, in the film were, were great. When he's, when he's crying at the gate, when they're trying to get in, it's, the water's running off his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't uh... So many famous lines in this movie, too. You cursed rat! Look what you've done! That reminded me of the scene from the creature of the, it came from outer space, a thing from outer space, the thing. They melted him at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, they electrified him, right? Yeah, the water in didn't this, do it. In this movie, the Wicked Witch of the West, no, the Wicked Witch of the, yeah, Wicked Witch of the West gets melted with water, yeah. Played by Margaret Hamilton, Miss Gulch. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Gulch, <laughs> what a name. <laughs> and, and her sidekick got, uh, the the house fell on her sidekick. Yeah, the Wicked Witch of the East. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the other the, the other the other line that I I loved is the Great Oz has spoken. Oh, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The, <laughs> <Yeah. Oz> <laughs> the wizard says that at the end. <laughs> Some of it too has to do with how, how an adult would view it. Like, boy, there's a lot of that that goes on. People that purport to know something more than they really do or pretend to be something they really aren't. He's behind, oh. he's behind that Well, his, the wizard's speech at the end about how everybody's got, every living creature has a brain, that's no big deal. Even the creatures that 
slime around in the muck, have a brain, yeah. but what you're lacking is a diploma. What about the heart that you promised Tin Man, well, and the courage that you promised Cowardly Lion, well, and Scarecrow's brain. brain? Why, anybody can have a brain. That's a very mediocre commodity. Every pusillanimous creature that crawls on the earth or slinks through slimy seas has a brain. Back where I come from, we have universities, seats of great learning, where men go to become great thinkers. And when they come out, they think deep thoughts, and with no more brains than you have. But they have one thing you haven't got, a diploma. Therefore, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Universitatis Comitiatum e Pluribus Unum, I hereby confer upon you the honorary degree of THD. <laughs> Ph.D.? Yeah, that's Doctor of Thinkology. The sum of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. Oh, joy! Rapture! I've got a brain! How can I ever thank you enough? Yeah, well, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> he's got something for each of them. Yeah, uh, and then as soon as he gets the diploma, he's, he's like this genius all of a sudden. But it, it's sort of like, what I loved about that whole kind of scene there where he gives each of them their gift was that there's this element of, of confidence and this element of, you know, wanting to be recognized. And they, they each had those characteristics in them, and all he was doing was sort of like validating it for them. Uh, even though they, you know, they really didn't need to have it validated, but it, it, it did help them accepted i guess and being told that that's all they needed really helped and then billy burke as the as the good witch glinda glinda yeah the, the i loved her of, crown oh her crown was wonderful her her wand her dress the way that she would kind of come in on a bubble i love that yeah at all. I'm Dorothy Gale from Kansas. Oh. Well, is that the witch? Oh, Toto? Toto's my dog. <laughs> well, I'm a little muddled. The munchkins call me because a new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. And there's the house. And here you are. And that's all that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. <gasps> and so what the munchkins want to know is are you a good witch or a bad witch? But I've already told you, I'm not a witch at all. Witches are old and ugly. What was that? The munchkins. They're laughing because I am a witch. I'm Glinda, the witch of the north. You are? Oh, I beg your pardon, but I've never heard of a beautiful witch before. Only bad witches are ugly. And then, but Margaret Hamilton's character, the Wicked Witch of the West, would would come in in a fiery, flaming, like explosion <laughs> of of smoke.
she was dead. That was her sister, the Wicked Witch of the East. This is the Wicked Witch of the West. She's worse than the other one was. Who killed my sister? Who killed the Witch of the East? Was it you? No. No, it was an accident. I didn't mean to kill anybody. Well, my little pretty, I can cause accidents too. Aren't you forgetting the ruby slippers? The slippers? Yes. The slippers. What have you done with them? Give them back to me or I'll... It's too late. There they are and there they'll stay. <sighs> Give me back my slippers. I'm the only one that knows how to use them. They're no use to you. Give them back to me. Give them back. Keep tight inside of them. Their magic must be very powerful or she wouldn't want them so badly. You stay out of this, Glinda, or I'll fix you as well. <laughs> oh, rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops the house on you too. Very well. I'll bide my time. And as for you, my fine lady, it's true, I can't attend you here and now as I'd like. But just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. <laughs> I I had to watch I I had to rewind the scene when she first appears at the Munchkin Village a couple times because I I could not figure out how they did that like it was so well done it, like there were several scenes that I just rewound and watched three or four different times because I was so impressed with the technical quality of it and it, and it's it was so much uh, labor at that time labor intensive because special effects were. You had to make them. You had to, you had to make it happen. It, 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 all, and... it all had to be done physically. Like it, it was going to be picked up by the film, and they had to do it in a way that it could be picked up by the film. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go back in time and, and, and be able to take a sneak preview of what that soundstage looked like when it was all dressed and ready to go for the filming? Unbelievable, the amount of time that went into that. I feel like it would have been chaos like behind the scenes up until the moment they're like okay quiet on the set and then it would have been like this magical thing that happened uh should i spend a couple minutes on the background for the film well, let's talk about ray bolger Bert oh okay Lair, and jack haley for a bit so they they play okay. hunk slash the scarecrow is ray bolger Bert lair is zeke the cowardly lion and then jack haley is hickory or the Tin Man, depending on if they're at the farm or in Oz. And, yeah, I, I don't know that they could have picked three more appropriate actors for those respective roles. They just totally embodied those characters for me. They all did. I tell you, Bert Lahr as, as the Cowardly Lion had some great lines. <laughs> when they were at the castle and going to uh, go rescue Dorothy. He just had to pull it all together to even to even be able to do that. I've got a plan how to get in there. Fine. He's got a plan. And you're going to lead us. Yeah. Mm hmm? Yes, you. I... I, I got to get around there. That's right. All right. I'll go in there for Dorothy. Wicked witch, oh, no wicked witch. Gods and no gods, I'll tear them apart. Oh. I may not come out alive, but I'm going in there. 
There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's, What's that? that? Talk me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and those costumes. Just just that alone. What went into making I was those. impressed by the Tin Man being able to run. Like he was running through the field of poppies and it that was some amazing costuming for sure. Yeah. Again, all all really practical effects. Oh, I tell you, Ray Bolger. Uh, he was the one I think that was most typecast by this role. He seemed to always play that kind of character in roles that he'd done and did later. He was perfect for that. Quite a, a very, quite a dancer. Very physical. Actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have held his own in dance scenes with James Cagney and. Uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. He was that talented. And then when they're when, they're always restuffing him, <laughs> my legs, my legs. <laughs> but even the crows weren't afraid of him. <laughs> no, Remember that right. one that comes up and picks <laughs> picks at him and flies off, and he's just looking so so. I get no respect. Yeah, this is terrible. Oh. Uh. Well, and the way that we get introduced to each character is great, too, because, uh, you know, Dorothy's told that she has to go talk to the wizard, and she has to uh, follow the yellow brick road, and there's a great song about that, and she's skipping off down the road, and then she gets to this uh, field where there's a scarecrow, and he's hung up, and he's he's crying for help, I think. He's like, help me, help me, <laughs> and she gets him down. I don't quite see how I can... Of course, I'm not bright about doing things. But if you'll just bend the nail down in the back, maybe I'll slip off and come... Oh, yes. Oh! Whoops! <laughs> there goes some of me again. Oh, does it hurt you? Oh, no, I just keep picking it up and putting it back in again. <laughs> My, it's good to be free. Oh, oh. Did I scare you? No, no. I, I just thought you hurt yourself. But I didn't scare you? No, of course not. I didn't think so. <coughs> Who? Scared? <coughs> Who? <coughs> you see? I can't even scare a crow. They come from miles around just to eat in my field and, and laugh in my face. Oh, I'm a failure because I haven't got a brain. Well, what would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts... It's just great how, as she's progressing towards the... the... the wizard and the Emerald City, she meets each of the, the companions, and, and the Cowardly Lion and, and the Tin Man each have kind of their own funny introduction because the cowardly lion's trying to be all brave until she pops him in the nose yeah <laughs> look what did you do that for i didn't buy them no but you tried to it's bad enough picking on a straw man but when you go around picking on poor little dogs well you didn't have to go and hit me did you is my nose bleeding? Oh. Well, of course not. <laughs> my goodness, what a fuss you're making. <laughs> well, naturally, when you go around picking on things weaker than you are, why, you're nothing but a great big coward. You're right, I am a coward. 
I haven't any courage at all. I even scare myself. <laughs> Look at the cycles under my eyes. I haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> Why don't you try counting sheep? That doesn't do any good. I'm afraid of them. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Don't you think the wizard could help him, too? I don't see why not. Why don't you come along with us? We're on our way to see the wizard now, to get him a heart. And him a brain. I'm sure he could give you some courage. Well, wouldn't you feel degraded to be seen in the company of a cowardly lion? I would. <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> Gee, that's, that's awfully nice of you. My life has been simply unbearable. Oh, well, it's all right now. The wizard will fix everything. It's, it's been in me so long. I just got to tell you how I feel. Well, come on. Yeah, it's sad, believe me, Missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the feminine vibe. But I could show my prowess be a lion, not a mouse, if I only had the nerve. <laughs> so much for that. <laughs> and the poor Tin Man, he really, he was frozen, frozen in time. Well, you're perfect my, now. My neck, my, my neck. Perfect? Oh, bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. Beautiful. What a nickel. It's empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. No, no heart? heart? No heart. All hollow. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. The film had a, had so many honors. It was one of the first 25 films that were used to inaugurate the our national film registry here in the U.S. And then uh, it's also one of the very few films that's on the UNESCO, United Nations UNESCO Memory of the World Register. So it's it's beyond the Academy Award or being played every year or whatever. It's it's honored throughout the world for the quality and the beauty of the and the story, everything about it. MGM hit a, a home run with this one. Yeah, the song "Over the Rainbow" was ranked number one by the American Film Institute in 2004 on the 100 Greatest Songs in American Film list. I never get tired of hearing that. What I, what I found amazing, again, watching it this time, I think maybe having done all these reviews and just all the talking about film has made me appreciate it even more, but um, they, they walk the line so perfectly between going too far off into like just being kind of ridiculous and, and over-the-top fantasy... And and trying to make it too realistic, you know, and yes, it's there's just enough kind of yes. scares, and there's just enough sort of like goofiness that it it just keeps you centered in in this zone of you're really believing it. Like for me, I was like, yeah, like, like I said, I was really bought in from the first minute, and I think the problem there's been there's been some remakes, there's been some sequels and prequels, and 
they they never seem to be able to to balance that line. They either want to go too dark and too realistic, or they, or it's too goofy and it's just not entertaining. And uh, I, yeah, like you said, they just really nailed it with this this script and this directing, the acting, the production design, the music. Everything is just right on. And the thing about it is, it it's it's not much longer than an hour and a half. I think it's an hour and forty minutes long. And there's so much packed into it. It to me when I watched it again, it seems like it is like a two and a half, three hour movie, when in fact it really isn't. It's just, it's just there's so much there. I didn't want it. I didn't want it to end. I was disappointed when she had to go back home by tapping her heels yeah. together. I know because there's so many great scenes, like in the forest where the uh, apple trees are throwing tr- apples at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know the the poppy fields where they get all sleepy, but then it starts to snow. I love that scene so much. The the uh, when they first kind of arrive at the Emerald City and there's all the the they're getting all done up and the cowardly lion's got all this makeup on and his hair's all curled. I love I love that. Yes, <laughs> yes. He looked like he just gotten out of the beauty parlor. He had just that one scene of the poppy field. Just I was thinking. How much time it would have taken to make that all, all be set up in the, in the on the soundstage? Well, and have it to be so seamless because I was really <sighs> looking. This is one of those scenes I rewound a few times because I was looking for the edge. Like you know, like clearly they had real poppies or like fake poppies made to look real. Like all you know, all in the foreground, and then they kind of go off into the background. And then it must have been a painting back there, but I could for the life of me not see the the seam between. What was really on the set, the set, and then what would have been a painting? So well done. This is like the uh, gold standard of what MGM was able to do in the late '30s and early '40s with Technicolor, music, and stories. I mean, that was their forte. With I mean, with I, these I can't kinds even imagine what this must have been like to see it in 1939. Like this must have been. Like seeing Star Wars for the first time, or yeah. like the first the first Lord of the Rings movie for the first time, and and just sort of being like in awe of what you were seeing on the screen. It's just that's how good it is. I know. We're just gushing and gushing about it. We're clearly we know what our ratings are going to be. <laughs> yes, yes I, mine's at twenty nine. No, um, so MGM was the uh, production company, and it was released in August of 1939, showing all over the world. Originally, in its first release, it, it, it just kind of broke even. It didn't really do that well. But since that time, I converted this to $2019. Its box office is $465 million in today's dollars against a budget of, at that time, converted to now, of $55 million. If you took that budget, so it had a nice return, and the music is so well done. What's your favorite song in the in the in the show? Oh, we're off to see the wizard. Oh, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. And here he is, the wizard, the wizard, if ever a wizard there was. If ever, oh, ever a wizard there was, the wizard of Oz was one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
They're off to see the wizard. I love the munchkins. Yeah, the munchkins are great. Just think I, I how think many the, costumes they had to make for that scene. Those they scenes. were so crazily over the top, too. It was I so know. funny how colorful they were. <laughs> Flowers in their hats. It was wonderful. So uh, the director, Victor Fleming, I just wanted to mention that in addition to Gone with the Wind, he's also well known for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 1941, one of the black oh. and white films that's really well done. And King Vider did uh, Stella Dallas, if you really want a tearjerker from 1937 with Barbara Stanwyck, that's the one in black and white. Her daughter does well and kind of forgets her mom. It's uh, it works out in the end, sort of. But anyway, wasn't you? Didn't you say that your mom used to listen to a radio show about that? Stella Dallas. Yes, it was a soap opera, the movie, and then there was a I think a five five day a week soap opera of the stories, the lives of Stella Dallas. <laughs> it was like a tearjerker. Always, always put put upon and will be gone, right? <laughs> oh. It won an Academy, it was nominated for six Academy Awards and won for Best Original Song, Over the Rainbow. Duh, I mean, that's that song is the best song ever written. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't win for more categories. Well, 1939, I looked it up, was, was like the biggest year for big films that were, that were going to be uh, up for nominations. Just for Best Picture... These are there were ten films. These are the ones that I I know are excellent A films. Gone with the Wind, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Stagecoach, which Jeez. we've done, Dark Victory, which is a Betty Davis uh, wonderful film, The Wizard of Oz, and five more. I mean the competition was uh, tremendous because they were also popular and well done I, I, I do remember we've talked about 1939 as being sort of like this watershed year of amazing films that came out so it's not surprising that it was up against some stiff competition for best picture but yeah any one, any one of those movies would have been great if you get a chance sometime to watch the original Goodbye Mr. Chips with Robert Donut it's, it's, a, it's a really really wonderful film it could have won and, of course, we've seen Stagecoach. Yeah, that's good. Although I don't know that it's up to the quality level of, like, a Gone with the Wind or Wizard of Oz. Um, no. But it's, it's good, though. And you'd love Dark Victory, boy. Betty Davis, she's, she's in her wheelhouse in that one. She's really good. <laughs> so, well, anyway, this film, for the six people on the earth who haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got to say, I think my favorite song is, um, yeah, over, over the, somewhere over the rainbow, for sure. Well, the, but the, the any story. of the music, anytime the music started up, though, I was, I was singing right along because I know all of the songs, of course. Yeah, that's really the key to a successful musical, huh? You never forget the songs. Well, it's funny because some of the musicals we've watched, I know the music, but I didn't know they were from that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the song would come on and like, oh, this is from that movie. Okay, interesting. And you know how we've talked about some of the musicals we've seen uh, and and reviewed, where the music is the core of the film and the story is just sort of to link it, one music a number from another. That's not the case here at all. 
that they're both they're so inter, integral one to the other the story and the film and the music that's just seamless the, the plot is as important as the music yeah i was thinking about that too because there's a lot more dialogue and a lot more plot development in this movie than pretty much any of the other musicals that we've looked at but it's just again it's just all so well done and and when they do start singing it it makes perfect sense it's just like the seamless sort of like we're off to see the wizard okay we're going to have a song about we're off to see the wizard and and that would make perfect sense that that's what they would be singing then um, there's another there's another bit of music that sticks in my mind and I and I it for some reason it like just starts running through my head at odd times but it's the the o e o oh oh yes yeah when they are coming up to the witch's castle and the guards are marching and that just something so ominous about that scene and, and that music is just perfect for that the uh, I have to correct one misstatement that I made just a few minutes ago. It won two Academy Awards, not just one. It won for the best original song, Over the Rainbow, and it won for best original score by uh, Herbert Stothart. So all the music was recognized. And you know, here we are, we're into our podcast and we haven't even mentioned Toto. Oh. Toto who's a, steen, a scene stealer if there ever was one. He even, he could steal a scene from Cuddles. Oh my gosh, there's a great little moment uh, at the beginning of the film where they're coming back to the um, farm and and uh, Toto's standing on the ground just looking up sort of obediently at Dorothy and Dorothy just kind of tosses him a little piece of something, like some food that she was eating, something that Aunt Em had baked. And he just catches it. It's just like, it's just this perfect little moment of life, you know? Yeah. I, I love that little scene. I love that dog. Poor Toto. I felt so bad for him when he got put in the basket and then, like, was going to be carted off, and, and she was so awful. Oh, uh, terrible. She was going to have him done in. Yeah, Miss Gulch. And, and uh, his real name was Toto, so they, did, they didn't change it. So that made it easier for him to do his scenes. When he's trying to get off that drawbridge to come back and, and uh, tell the, the guys where Dorothy was, yeah. that was he was very brave because he had yeah. to jump off that drawbridge and then run all around. Oh, yeah, he was. There was another scene with, with him, with the dog that I liked, which was in the poppy field after it had snowed. And they were kind of running, you know, the four of them were kind of arm in arm coming down the the hill towards the Emerald City, and then you just see Toto like zoom through the poppies, and like the snow just kind of like flies as he zooms by. And I thought, man, that dog I bet was having the time of his life on this movie set. It's just like the best time. It was almost like he understood exactly what he was to do throughout the film. Do we need to say much about the storyline of the film? You think for oh the gosh. six so people who've never see, seen this it? Is, this is the challenge of reviewing a movie that's so well known. It's like, well, do we even bother? <laughs> <laughs> she's she's on the farm there's a tornado she has a great dream and the dream is the wizard of oz yeah and then she she clicks her heels at the end and wakes up and she's back in bed and all of her friends and family are around and she's convinced it wasn't a dream and they're all sort of like oh you you knocked your head and you know, there's a tornado and everything's okay and um 
Yeah, I, I do. I do think it might be good to take a, a couple moments to just kind of think about, you know, like that idea that we started talking about, where she was so bored uh, in her life on the farm, and and then she was just so desperately wanting to have some adventure. And yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like she she did let Toto in to to bug Miss Gulch just because she liked to see Miss Gulch get all riled up. <laughs> Didn't she say something like she could? She she's she alluded to something to do with that. I can't remember the line now, but yeah, she kind of knew that he was on. I don't think she thought that Miss Gulch was going to go to the extremes that she did, but you know, Miss Gulch was just kind of real grumpy. Um, there's a little bit of a, a, a social thing that was brought up there where uh, Elmira Gulch. Just because you own half the county doesn't mean you have the power to run the rest of us. For 23 years, I've been dying to tell you what I thought of you. And now, well, being a Christian woman, I can't say it. What a what a unpleasant, unhappy person she seemed to be. Man, she could move that bicycle, though. Yeah, that she bike really... looks really uncomfortable to ride. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'd, I'd always kind of wondered, and, and before watching it this time, I think I've convinced myself that it's not it's not this way, but I'd always kind of wondered if she, when she fell in the pigsty, if she didn't knock herself out there and then everything after falling in the pigsty was, was like in her dream. And, but, but that doesn't actually make sense because at the end, uh, professor Marvel shows up and says, well, there was that big storm. So if we believe the characters in the movie, then she must've gotten knocked out during the tornado. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all that the storm was quite of the severity that it was pictured as we watch it. Well, think of a tornado storm for through the eyes of a 12-year-old who can't yeah. find her 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 aunt and uncle and and everybody that she needs to feel safe. And I, I think in her mind, it probably was this gigantic thing that could lift up the house, right? And and so, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But it did bring back memories of, of living in Bismarck, and there was one year yes. where there was tornadoes across the river, I think over in Mandan, Yeah. And, and you let us come out onto the porch, and actually we got to see the tornado in real life over there. And, and the funnel cloud, yeah. It yeah, and I remember, river. I remember being that age, it was like first grade, I remember being terrified of tornadoes, because, um, well, they are terrifying, but never had a close call other than just being able to see one across the river, which was cool. And it was sort of surreal because it was fairly calm at our house. And then like, I don't know, six miles away, there it was rolling along the river. It, that's a scary sight indeed. That's the only one I've ever seen as a funnel cloud. I don't care to see another one. Ever. No thanks. No thanks. Um, and, then, and then I had, and, and maybe I'll put this in the after show because if little kids are watching this... <laughs> This is kind of a dark take on the whole movie, so um, I, I don't think this is really what happened, but part of me wonders if she didn't die and that this was all sort of like in the afterlife. And it was oh, like, wow. it, was, it wasn't even like a dream, but she never, she never did wake up from whatever happened during the storm or, you know, like, so I don't know. I, I don't know that there's a lot to support that in the film, but... I think there is a case that could be made for an interpretation like that, where it's almost like a journey to the afterlife, and that she she finally arrives there at the end with all of her family who also died. Like everybody died in the movie. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> no. Even Toto? Sorry, sorry. Even Toto? Every, everybody at the end, that was like heaven. They were all in heaven at the oh. little farmhouse there. So, yeah, wow. sorry. That was probably a little too dark, but that thought did uh, cross my mind. I, 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 hang on a minute. I need to catch my breath. I'm very depressed. I never once ever thought of that. Did you pick up some of that on some of the web stuff? People's interpretation one? I, oh. I, maybe at some point I saw something like that. I don't know. It's just a thought that I had that if the storm was really that big and, and, and powerful, uh, did oh. any of them survive? And if, if they didn't, then maybe this was a whole like journey through the afterlife and, and then she finally is able to get back to her her people oh. at the end. But yeah, so we don't need to go into that in any more detail other than I need probably some more therapy or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to go with the final words from Dorothy. There's no place like home. Yeah. She was back with everybody that she loved and everybody loved her and they went on to become very successful in Kansas. I'm gonna go with that interpretation as well, and I think that I'll be right back. I've got to go get some Kleenex. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling a bit teary-eyed <laughs> myself. But I would oh. choose to believe that it was just a dream and or, or, and or like a magical fantasy that she, she went on this journey somehow, but then came <sighs> back. And, and I think she was more satisfied with her life afterwards because she's gone on this adventure and she realizes that, like you said, there's no place like home and she's Absolutely. glad to be there. So you we should probably a... end it on that and not on the like really downer thing that I said like five minutes ago. <laughs> what would your rating for this film be, he asked. Well, if I could go higher than 10, I would, but this would be pegging the top of our scale at the highest level 10 that we could give it. Ditto. I, I, I feel the same way, yeah. There's, there's everything about this film to watch. In fact, I, I'm going to watch it again before I send the DVD back. I can't think of a bad thing to say about it, honestly. <laughs> I just, nothing that, as I was watching it, struck me as like, oh, I wish they'd done that differently, or oh, that looks cheesy, or oh, that's not very well written. It's just, yeah, it's just, a, it's just one of the best movies ever made, period, in my mind, for sure. I agree, I agree. So, um, up next, we have, he asked... So well, I, I actually have that. Again. I have that list now. I'm more organized today. So, like Good. I said at the beginning, we uh, are mixing it up a little bit. We've got uh, Cover Girl next, and then we're going to have a special bonus episode, which is still a bit in the works. Uh, and then we're going to be going into uh, people of color in film. And I found Farewell to Manzanar on YouTube for free, so I'll put a link to that in the oh, show notes okay. here. Good. And so you can watch that. It's a TV movie. But it is available on YouTube, at least at the time of this recording. And then we're going to be watching Bridge to the Sun, and that will be a patron Tier 2 and Tier 3 episode. And then we're going to look at Murder Street. Well, that's a really fun uh, favorite movie of mine with Mar Ricardo Montalban in a straight-ahead detective film shot on location in Boston. Uh, I can't wait. Love Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. And then we're really going to have a... We're going to have a bonus content episode for patrons at Tier 3, which is to be determined. And then finally, we'll be looking at Little Big Man. Well, we, d we decided to change and switch that up, and we're going to 
see if we can't watch Exiles, which is about, it's a, a 1961 sort of semi-documentary of a, a, a group of uh, Native Americans living in the Bunker Hill area of Los Angeles and what their lives were like. Perfect. And, and you and you said that you watched Little Big Man and it was it was just not good. Like you you I, even compared it to Orgy of the Dead, which is that's saying something. I didn't find it to be one that was well. Part part of it was that it didn't seem to actually accurately portray a lot of the main characters. Uh, it it gets high reviews and all. It just wasn't on my list for for being that well. I just didn't like too, it. So too, ma- thought, too many stereotypes and not, yeah. not good character development. Yeah. Well, there's a good character development, but I, it's just... I probably overdid it when I said it was comparable to that other film, but it... <laughs> well, you made me not want to watch it, that's yeah, for sure. I didn't find it to be authentic. But I think Exiles will be right where we want to be when we talk about First Peoples. I think part of it is growing up in Montana in the Rocky Mountains and... In Montana, we have uh, nine reservations. So, and I had many kids and and people in in uh, Lewistown that I knew that were were uh, first people. In fact, I coached two two years. I coached a basketball team of elementary school kids, and half the team were Native Americans each year. And so, I got really close to that culture. And this the film that Little Big Man just to me didn't didn't really reflect what was going on. I think Exiles may be more in that uh, vein. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's what's coming up, and that was our review of Wizard of Oz, and uh, I think mainly we just gushed for 30 minutes about it more than anything else. <laughs> and coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt Johnson. And Bob Johnson in Los Angeles wishing everybody happy movie watching.